Welcome to another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Courtney. Thanks for joining me today. I have some fun guests that I have been looking forward to interviewing, just kind of waiting for the right time. So it all worked out well today. We have another two-year-old sale in the books. The Facey Tipton Gulfstream two-year-old in training sale happened this past week. Fireworks there as always, as those horses have a chance to work over the main track at Gulfstream Park, where theoretically next year uh, as three-year-olds in the championship meet, they will be racing over that surface. So a a very cool concept. Um, The second two-year-old sale of the season in the books and coming up this weekend is the second to last weekend of Kentucky Derby prep races as we are about a month out from the first Saturday in May from the Kentucky Derby as it's back on the calendar where it belongs the first Saturday in May. We'll talk a little bit about a horse that could potentially be on that Derby trail uh, leading up this weekend and also with somebody that won the Kentucky Derby last year. So it all kind of comes full circle in the world of horse racing as it often does. I hope you enjoy today's show. And as always, happy to have you along for the ride. So pleased to be joined now by a special guest, Ned Toffee, the general manager of Spendthrift Farm. Ned, I'm really looking forward to the chance to get to talk with you today. Thanks so much for joining me. Happy to, uh, Keisha. Good to be with you. Now, Spendthrift Farm, we are very used to seeing those colors in the winner's circle, but I wanted to talk first a little bit about how you came to be the general manager at Spendthrift. I know you've been involved since Mr. Hughes purchased uh, the farm in 2004. Yeah, I have. Um, I I actually was a broodmare manager uh, at Three Chimneys Farm uh, for many years, and that's actually where I met. Mr. Hughes, he was a client there, um, had a, most of his mares in Lexington there at, at Three Chimneys. And, and one day uh, I ran into him and he said, I'm thinking about buying a farm, would you come run it for me? And, uh, you know, I jumped at the, at the chance and I really never dreamed that he would buy a place like Spendthrift. Um, but um, several months later, he showed up in town. He said, well, I found a place um, and I, you might have heard of it. And I, I, I certainly had, you know, for, for, for a horse racing person or for, for a baseball person, it would be sort of like somebody saying, well, I, I found this ballpark. It's called, it's called Fenway or Yankee Stadium or something. <laughs> and, you know, so it was, uh, it, it was, it was pretty exciting. Um, and, and still really, even at that time, had no idea what the job would, would turn into. Back then, Mr. Hughes was really kind of a breed to race guy. And um, he, he kept most of what he bred. He sold the, the, the few culls and uh, everything else went to the racing stable. And, um, you know, I would say we've, we've uh, really uh, changed really about 180 degrees since then. It <laughs> turned out to be a very different job than what I thought. But, uh, you know, we had this wonderful stallion complex here at Mr. Hughes. I think the idea of, of getting into the stallion game really fascinated him. And, and we had the perfect spot to do it. And, and, and with such a great history of, of stallions here at Spendthrift, it, it made sense. And I think it really appealed to his nature, to, to, to a lot of his uh, uh, background um, uh, in business. And so, uh, you know, he's really enjoyed that side of it. And it's been, it's been a great, uh, great thing to be a part of. And what would you say are some of the, the visions now of Spencer Farmers? You mentioned how it's 
changed since you first kind of took on in the position. Um, we see obviously a very strong broodmare band, a strong stallion registered. What would you say are, are some of the main visions of the farm as it stands right now? Well, I, I, I think that, um, you know, our, our, our central plan really has, has for the most part revolved around stallions. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, whether it's breeding them, um, going out and acquiring them as, as yearlings or two-year-old in training sales. Um, and, you know, again, once we had the farm um, and we were a few years in, we began to get into um, the, the idea of acquiring stallion prospects after their racing career. And, and so our, our, our current roster is made up of combinations of all of those, uh, you know, into mischief, was bought at a two-year-old training sale. Um, Malibu Moon was a horse that we that Mr. Hughes bred, uh, and, and initially stood at some other farms uh, prior to Mr. Hughes establishing things here at Spendthrift. Um, Temple City is uh, also a, a homebred, uh, and of course, uh, in more recent years, horses like Vino Rosso and Omaha Beach and and Matoli are are horses that we went out and acquired. Um, um, after their racing career or during their racing career, but for, for breeding rights uh, only. And um, that's, that's been a big part of what we, what we do as well. And so I think really first and foremost, things, things revolve uh, around the stallions. Um, the, the broodmares, um, you know, our broodmare roster is obviously we're trying to produce stallions, but we're also trying to support stallions with our, with our mm-hmm. broodmare band. We will, um, you know, may, we may plug some mares into a stand that may need some help, may need a few more mares on his book. Um, oftentimes, we'll, uh, it, it's always sort of a fluid process. If, if we have breeders that uh, need a spot to one of our stands, we may move our own mares out of the way and, and, and let the breeders uh, 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 have the preference. Um, so the, the broodmare band, part of it is really for, for helping support and supplement the, the stallion books and then and and then you know with some of more more recent purchases are are you know some really um you know high level mares are those those are mares that are going to be bred um to you know to the very top stuff available and in trying to to produce a runner and and eventually a, a, a stallion or a broodmare that that will come back to our stallion barn or broodmare band Talk to me a little bit about the probably best known, I'd say at this point, Stallion um, on the roster now and into mischief and just what he has accomplished as a Stallion and now getting a chance to stand his Kentucky Derby and Breeders' Cup winning son, Authentic, as well. Just what that means for the farm and what it's been like watching what Into Mischief has created um, as far as being a Stallion. Yeah, you know, I, I, I wish I could tell you that when we bought him as a two-year-old, we, we knew that <laughs> that was all going to play out. I think, uh, I think everybody in the industry would know that there's a, you know, really couldn't be farther from the truth. We certainly hoped uh, uh, that something like this might happen, but you can never expect a horse to do what he's done. I mean, it, it's really remarkable, and I, I run into people all the time who, who now people are saying things to me like, you know, this is the best, this is the best stand I've seen in my lifetime. Um, and just, you know, remarkable. It's remarkable how consistent he is 
at getting good, if, if nothing else, good solid runners. And mm-hmm. then he gets, you know, just you know, more and more um, elite horses as well. So I think the combination of being consistent and consistently high level producing um, is what makes him uh, so impressive. And um, yeah, it's, it's just something that y- y- you hope for with every purchase you make, but it, it's, you know, these, this time just, they don't come around very mm-hmm. often, but we just realized that, you know, we're very, very fortunate. And, and it's really remarkable that he's done it from starting, you know, in his second year, uh, well, actually his first year, he was a $12,500 stud fee. And we mm. really didn't um, fill his book the way we would have liked. We, we, we developed some, some incentive programs uh, in year two to try to help uh, build his book. Share at the Upside was one of those programs. And, and um, uh, that, it, it, that certainly helped, um, helped get more interest in him. But in, you know, in year two, you could have bred to him for $6,500. Um, and, um, you know, of course, in his first crop, uh, you had Bijak and Golden Sense, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, you know, Golden Sense is now standing here as well. And, um, you know, Golden Sense was from, produced from a mare that was uh, later, later given away. Uh, you know, not a, mm-hmm. not really a spectacular pedigree, yet he's was, you know, a two-time Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile winner and, and then has gone on to be a leading sire. Um um, he's, he's been, he's led his crop, uh, a number of times now. Um, and, um, he's, he's, he's a remarkable horse in his own right, but, uh, for, for into mischief to, to sort of get out of the gate of his stud career like that was, mm-hmm. was really remarkable and, and, and really impressive. And I think, you know, breeders very quickly began to take note that this was sort of an interesting horse with, with tremendous, uh, tremendous percentages and, and um, early on, people began to think, hey, they, you know, there really might be something here. Um, and, and the remarkable thing is as, as uh, he's bred more mares and become more and more popular, you know, those percentages have really, he's really been able to maintain those. And, and um, he's, just, he's just a remarkable horse. And we're, like I said, we're, we're very fortunate to, to have him. I wish I knew exactly what it was uh, that, that is responsible for his success. Um, so we could go out and find the next one and the next one and the next one. But, mm-hmm. you know, Mr. Hughes has an expression uh, that he likes to use about this industry, and it's that nobody knows. And whether you're talking about which is going to make it or which which horse is going to be the best racehorse or, um, you know, whatever it may be, really with any degree of true statistical certainty, when it gets right down to it, nobody knows. <laughs> Um, so all we can do is we, 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 uh, we go out and try to buy the best athletes, uh, uh, that we can find and, um, uh, and, and hope for the best, but we, we try to put a good book under, of mares under these horses and, and see what they can do. Both, both into mischief and Malibu moon started from, you know, quite, uh, relatively low levels. Uh, Malibu mm-hmm. moon was a $3,000 stud fee eventually producing champions and, and derby winners um, and and into mischief of course we all know what he's done and 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 he was a sixty five hundred dollar horse um, um, so it, it's it, it, it's really been remarkable all we all we did as 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 the stud managers was basically give them the opportunity to be successful mm-hmm. 
and and we've seen over and over that the that the the really good stands can can really overcome almost anything. So that's that's been our approach. You mentioned the incentive programs that you put in place for year two for Into Mischief. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about that because I think it's an interesting angle, like you said, to give those stallions the opportunity. Tell me a little bit about some of the incentives that you may put in place for breeders to have some interest in some of those stallions you have. Yep. Well, Share, Share the Upside was the first program that we mm-hmm. came up with, and, and it, it coincided with a tough time in, in the economy and a tough time for breeders. And at the same time, too, we wanted to make sure that we gave our stallions a, a good opportunity. So we, we felt like uh, even if we had to give people an opportunity to earn a lifetime breeding right, it was worth it. Uh, to get their support early on. It's, it's, it's the breeders, it's the mare owners that, that really make these stallions. And, uh, and again, it was, it was a tough time in, in, in the industry and in the economy um, for breeders to be able to, to be successful and to make ends meet. And so, um, you know, this was something that was born somewhat out of, out of necessity and, and somewhat out of, of opportunity. In other words, the opportunity to do something for breeders that, that could help them be successful. Um, and and that's, a, that's a big part of what we do on a regular basis is we're, we're trying to do things that, you know, in terms of our pricing, in terms of accessibility to our stands, to try to uh, make these horses available. So sh- share the upside for those that aren't familiar with it is just is that uh, where if you breed um, uh, two mares, y- usually it's in consecutive years, breed a mare one year mm-hmm. on a live foal contract, pay the stud fee when the mare foals, um, uh, breed again the following year, pay the stud fee. You've um, after after doing that twice, you've earned a lifetime breeding right in the horse. So you can then breed to that mm. stallion for the the rest of his life uh, for free. Um, and uh, so there, you know, there were uh, interestingly, there was really not a, a large number of people that that um, took us up on that offer within the mischief the, the program didn't work especially well in his case ironically notional who is uh, no longer here at spendthrift and and mm-hmm. uh, wound up standing a uh, stud in, in pencil in uh, in uh, oklahoma mm-hmm. um, um he was the far more popular uh, of the two when we offered this program mm-hmm. um once again proving that nobody knows um <laughs> and and uh, but into mischief, we, there was only about 15 or 16 people that that uh, signed up initially for the program, and only about eight or nine of them uh, fulfilled all of the terms to to remain eligible for the program. So there's only about eight or nine uh, breeding right holders initially in 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 into mischief, and, and uh, that that took full advantage of that program. And we've come up with variations uh, on that program over the years. Um, actually, in into mischief's case, you could have bred two mares in that in in that uh, first year that we offered the program, and that would have earned you know so two years in one year, two two mares in one year, uh, or one mare in consecutive years. So we've done variations of that um, over the years with different stallions, tried to tweak things to make things uh, appeal uh, most to our breeders, and um, 
so that that was a, a, a an incentive program that people have responded to. They 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 really like, um, you know, as Mr. Hughes has always said, you know, if you like the stallion, it it uh, there's it, it makes all the sense in the world to to go ahead and buy a, um, um, participate in the share of the upside program, mm -hmm. try, try to earn a lifetime breeding right. Um, if you don't like the stallion, then uh, we can we can find you another one. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, so that that's been a big incentive program. Another thing that we do, um, um, also currently, is we we offer in sort of the bubble years, these years that where you you know the offspring of stallions have not they're not proven yet, um, but you know he may have yearlings or two year olds, and we'll we'll allow people to breed, um, and. If the if that stallion doesn't uh, produce a graded stakes winner uh, by by the end of their that offspring's two year old year, then uh, and and we do this for the first crop. Um, uh, the first crop two year olds, if there's not a graded stakes winner by the end of the year, you owe nothing on the stud fee. If there is a graded stakes winner, then you owe us for the stud fee, um, mm -hmm. and that's just. That's we're basically acknowledge the risk that somebody is uh, uh, is taking in in breeding to a sort of a bubble year horse, a horse that uh, again may have yearlings or two year olds, but they haven't run yet. It's a lot of risk for a breeder because if the horses, mm -hmm. obviously, if if those offspring first offspring are successful, then that breeder has a, a mare in full to a, a very uh, a suddenly very popular stallion. If if they don't perform, that breeder's got a mare in in full to a stand that he's maybe maybe uh, a little bit uh, regretting having made the decision. So again, giving some forgiveness in in that situation on the stud fee um, is is a program that breeders have responded to um, uh, really really well. So those are mm -hmm. those are two of the two of the programs that we've done and. Again, try to trying to give breeders a break, trying to allow them to be successful um, and ensure the upside. You know, again, they the breeders are are really who makes these stallions, and so the, the part of the idea there was to allow them if they they helped make the stallion uh, by supporting him in his first couple of years at stud. We're allowing them to sort of take the ride with us when he's successful. Um, and and participate in his success and not have to not have to pay a um, uh, hundred thousand dollar stud fee later on when they that when they helped make the horse paying you know ten or fifteen thousand dollars. You also purchase horses at two year old training sales, as you mentioned, and we've had a couple now this year in twenty twenty one, and we've seen uh, Spencer Farm be active at the recent basic Tipton Gulfstream sale, a Nyquist cult uh, with West Point Thoroughbreds, in fact, from the consignment of Eddie Woods for 900000 Tell me a little bit about that cult. As I know uh, Eddie Woods this year has just come with an outstanding consignment and um, seems like you've got a really nice one there for a stallion that has really made quite a splash now with his, uh, his second uh, group of foals out on the racetrack now. Yes, yeah, certainly we have um, we have a lot of respect for Nyquist um, and what he's done. Um, uh, buying from Eddie, uh, Eddie is does does a great job year after mm -hmm. year. You know, posted right there by his consignment is a is a very impressive resume. 
mm-hmm. a list of all of the uh, the top horses that he's sold. Um, and he's got a great reputation and he's, he's, he's really a great guy to, to buy off of. Um, uh, this horse, um, you know, just he looks the part. He, he looks like he has the potential to be a classic two-turn type of a horse. Um, he's, um, he, he's kind of a big, rugged, raw-boned horse, uh, uh, beautiful shoulder on him, kind of has a, a, a hip and a hind leg that would kind of put you in the mind of a, of a stayer, of a, of a two-turn mm-hmm. horse. Um, he's, uh, he's out of a Malibu moon mare, which, of course, we like. Uh, mm-hmm. so, um, and he just breezed really well. He, he galloped out, uh, beautifully, um, and, and then appeared, you know, back at the barn in our inspection in the days, uh, the couple of days, uh, following his, his breeze, um, you know, looked to be very sound, uh, very good minded, uh, and, and has a, has a really good athletic look. And, you know, if we're not getting too far ahead of ourselves, think he, he would look really good up at our stallion complex uh, being presented <laughs> to prospective breeders but we've got a we've, we've got a few hoops uh, to, to jump through before we can get to that point but he, <laughs> he, he certainly looks the part and and we were certainly impressed with what we saw um, at, at the breeze show and 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 again Eddie's a, 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 a does a great job preparing horses and he's a great guy to buy off of so uh, and then, of course, we were, we were very happy. We've partnered with with West Point uh, before. Mm-hmm. We actually sold a horse named Freedom Child as a yearling up at Saratoga, um, and they were interested in buying him and asked if we would stay in. And so that was the first horse we did together. And mm-hmm. over the years, we've done a few horses uh, together with them. We we uh, we expected this horse to be uh, expensive and thought we might need a little help. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so we were we were happy to partner with that with Harry and his team at, at West Point. Also at the OBS March sale, five purchased there, four, four Colts and one Philly, a Philly Bay Outwork, and uh, one of those in partnership with MyRacehorse.com signing the ticket as well. Tell me a little bit about um, how the partnership and the interest that Mr. Hughes has had in My Racehorse has grown and what some of the hopes are with that partnership moving forward and allowing people to have those micro share uh, ownership opportunities. Well, I, you know, going back to the beginning, Mike, Michael Barron's contacted mm-hmm. us, um, and we were certainly familiar with what he was doing. The microshare concept was very interesting to us. Mr. Hughes is, a, a, of course, a big innovator, uh, and and loves uh, loves to hear about people that are that are taking a little different approach, uh, you know, thinking outside the box. Uh, so when Michael contacted us, we, we thought it was a, a, a natural fit. Um, you know, Mr. Hughes loved what Michael was doing, but his, you know, his, his comment to Michael in, in one of their first meetings was, you, you've got a great idea. Uh, this could really take off if you, if you had a little bit better quality horses. Back mm-hmm. then, Michael had, you know, it was, he certainly had some good horses from early on, but you had, had a number of claimers and a little bit lesser types and, and certainly was generating good interest, but we thought, boy, what would happen if you could really get some really exciting prospects in there? And, uh, you know, Mr. Hughes has a history of really trying to do things that are good for the industry. 
um, going way back to the, the shortly before I worked for Mr. Hughes, he, he actually allowed uh, Steven Spielberg to buy into a horse named That's What I'm Talking About that Mr. Hughes had. And he, mm -hmm. that horse ran fourth in, in uh, the Derby behind uh, Funny Side and Empire Maker. He was, he, was a, he was a beautiful, talented horse. And I think Wayne did that because he, he thought that, that having someone like Steven Spielberg involved would, would generate interest and generate some great publicity for the sport. Um, and over the years, that's, that's been a, a big part of what, what he's tried to do. Again, uh, the, the breeding programs, trying to make things work for people. Uh, mm -hmm. Not just uh, you know the uh, elite level breeders, but but for 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 everybody. Um, and we felt like my racehorse was an opportunity to to bring racing to a lot of people that were less familiar with it and maybe mm -hmm. didn't have um, uh, didn't uh, were intimidated by and and had, didn't have any idea about how to get into all of this. And the fact that you could now simply download an app and do all of this from your phone obviously fits with the way people, uh, a lot of people, and especially young people, do things today. Mm -hmm. So we really have thought from the beginning, this was a, a, a really good opportunity to expand racing's footprint um, and, and bring new people into the game. And, and I think that's big, even if it's, even if it's just as fans. Uh, and better still, if it's eventually as as owners, maybe they they take the step from micro share ownership into a group like West Point, where they're in, in fractional ownership, and then mm -hmm. eventually maybe they they uh, are in a position later on to to to, to dive in on their own. Uh, but introducing the sport to more people um, um, on on a, on on a large scale. Uh, and showing them what a great what a great sport it is um, has really uh, appealed to us. Uh, of course, again, you know, authentic was one of the early horses that was offered. And and when you when you uh, get out of the gate with a Derby winner, that's that's a, that's a <laughs> tough act to follow. Um, but um, you know, it, it brought tremendous excitement, in, especially in a really tough year we, with COVID. Um, it, it provided such a great uh, outlet for, for uh, and, and a point of interest for people that really didn't have a lot uh, to, to, to enjoy or to look forward to. And, and so I think it did a great job of bringing new people and, and, and new fans um, to the sport and, and to the idea of racehorse ownership. I hope we haven't spoiled them too much. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, it, it's, it's tough to come up with a, with, with a derby winner. Uh, but uh, no pressure, right? <laughs> but 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 um, you know it's it's you know whether you whether you've got a, a lower level horse or a, or, a, or a grade one horse, when, when that horse is uh, turning for home and and has a shot uh, to to win a race, I mean that's a feeling like nothing else. And and I think if we can introduce more people to that, uh, and I think that is what's happening. And 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 you know, we will, Mr. Hughes is, is, is now got, he's gotten more and more involved with, with, with my racehorse. And that really has become his, his primary focus is trying to help my racehorse uh, become successful. 
And now a couple of big superstar mayors uh, recently added to the roster wearing the My Racehorse colors. We saw both Monomoy Girl and Got Stormy purchased back in November. They came back, made their first starts of 2021 in My Racehorse colors and and winning like that and, and having the opportunity to be part of a champion like Monomoy Girl. That's a pretty special opportunity that you've been able to afford people as well. You know, it, it really is. And again, I'll tell you, it, it, it says it says something about you know, Mr. Hughes, you know, a lot, a lot of mm-hmm. people would not want to give up their silks when, when you put up the kind of money that was put yeah. up to, to buy those horses. They, you know, they, they, they might not want to give up their silks, but, but you know, my racehorse felt like it was, it, it was important from a publicity standpoint for them and from a selling standpoint to have those horses in, in their silks the first time out. And, and, and we were more than happy to accommodate that. And um, but that's not something you'd get you'd get just from from everybody, and it says, says a lot about Wayne Hughes and about the ownership in general here at, at, at Spendthrift. And and uh, so if we can help make things work for for my racehorse and 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 for for and help bring in new fans, new people, expand the footprint of a great game, it's it's mm-hmm. exciting. And and those are the kinds of horses that we think can do it best. And and. You know, those are particularly Monomoy Girl, but Got Stormy as well. I mean, those are horses that have a fan following um, Mm -hmm. already. And if we can introduce new people to to that kind of excitement, it's a great thing. And I know it's special for the regular fans as well to get a chance to see horses like that stay in training another year too, which is exciting. Hope they both have a sensational 2021 to come and best of luck with the rest of the sales season. Ned, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really, really enjoyed getting a chance to pick your brain this afternoon. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Acacia. Pleased to welcome in now trainer Brendan Walsh, who had a big weekend last week in Dubai, another big weekend coming up. Brendan, I appreciate you taking the time today. Thanks for having me on, Acacia. Um, Let's talk a little bit about last week. You're now two for two in Dubai on Dubai World Cup weekend, of course, with Puska Parfait winning the UAE Derby a couple years ago. And then just this week, the ageless Florida bred extravagant kid in the Alquas Sprint. I mean, talk to me a little bit about that and what it means to get such a big victory for for that horse who just shows up every time um yeah it was great i mean dubai has is a special place for me acacia i spent a lot of uh time out there years ago when i when i was younger um you know 20 years ago it is now pretty much but um i did nine consecutive winters out there um you know so i was at the first the, the world, I missed the first one, but I was at the second one mm. onwards and I never missed one for the nine years. And so it was always, you know, you, you always compete or you look at these things and you, you think, God, wouldn't it be great someday if um, if I could train a horse to, good enough to come out here and run here? And I've gotten very lucky that, that uh, you know, it's, it's funny because um, just there, you know, I've, it's the only horses I've ran outside of. North American, they've they've managed to win out there, mm-hmm. so it's fantastic. Um, you know, obviously being Irish, it's always got a, um, you know, there's always a. It's very popular in Europe, uh, Dubai racing. So you've got a lot of um, people from Ireland and England and France and and everywhere else watching. So it's it's very nice. You know, it it kind of gives us a little more stage. Um, 
at home and 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 you know it all it all is good for it's great for for us and for our owners and everything but it's also good for business because it gets your name out there so it's uh it just works out great all around extravagant kid now an eight-year-old gelding florida bred by kiss the kid not uh, a pedigree i'm sure you see a lot of like that uh, in dubai talk to me a little bit about this horse brendan and i'm being based at Gulfstream in the winters i've gotten to see him run quite a bit and he, he really is cool he just shows up every time yeah he's been a model of consistency acacia you know being an eight-year-old he i have to say he's got he got a, he's gotten a little clever mentally and, and he, he um he'd been placed a, a few times recently and you know part of the the whole thing going out to dubai was to um to just do something different um for him you know like i said he's an eight-year-old um you know so we thought he might benefit from you know, I, I saw it years ago when I worked for Godolphin, you know, you travel some of these horses and they really blossom when you travel them, these older horses. And, you know, he, he seemed like he really relished, you know, the flight out there. He never put a foot wrong while he was out there. And then the race itself, I think just the different configuration of the track and, and all, I think really, uh, really helped him. But on saying that, you know, he has been a a model of consistency since we mm -hmm. claimed him. I mean, he he's never, you know, he's won a million dollars and you don't do that from from being a slouch. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, he, he does, you know, he, I wouldn't say the pedigree would be the strongest pedigree in the mm -hmm. world, but, you know, any, I think most stallions are capable of coming up with a good one. And thankfully we've got the one that, uh, that Kiss the Kid has come up with. Yeah, has he got that, grade one victory in the Alquaz sprint. I mean, even uh, last year, a uh, stakes winner as well in 2020 in the Sunshine Million sprint. And uh, as you said, second against some nice horses running behind in premise at Gulfstream as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it meant a lot to see him break through. And you mentioned claiming him. And sometimes we will see your barn dip in still for claiming horses. And uh, I, I think that's an interesting angle. What are some of the things that you look for? And did you ever imagine that you'd end up with a future graded stakes winner? I mean, you never do, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that's, we, we had, I had this conversation with somebody recently, they said, another trainer, he said to me, oh, owner will come along and say, oh, we need to claim a horse like that, but, you know, it's, it's a not easy thing to do, and, and they don't see the woods that you claim that don't work out, but, uh, <laughs> but he, yeah, he was a high-end claim, we claimed him for 75 grand, it was completely, Mr. Ross that owns him, it was completely his idea you know he came to me and said to me i want to claim this horse and i looked at it initially i have to admit occasion I, I wondered if the horse was worth uh, the money but the more i looked at his um his farm and everything uh the more it made sense and i i remember i flew to i was in new orleans and i flew to miami you know i i moved my flight to an earlier flight um so that i could go and look at him and I, I i'll never forget him walking down the track and i looked at him and he you know he was a nice horse he wasn't a, a, a big imposing horse or anything like that but he was a nice horse and i said yeah why why not he looked like a nice horse with a good mind so we we went ahead and we took him and and uh you know the rest is history but he's a, he's a neat horse because he's a, he's a, a huge character he's he's got a lot of character um, as you can imagine, and it's developed over the time we've had it. So it, it gave us a great thrill because he's a barn favorite and um, it was nice to see it happen.
Uh, horse says I uh, mentioned now as, as an eight-year-old he, he knows his way around the backside I'm sure better than most um, but good to see him break through with that big win but a lot still to come throughout the rest of the year and uh, coming up this weekend in the Wood Memorial prevalence will stretch out to the mile in an eighth and try his uh, toughest task yet but he's been so impressive in his two starts to date did you always think that he had that explosive first out victory in him when you were training him? You know, Acacia, he, he had put in a couple of really, really nice works. And I thought, yeah, he, he is a nice horse. And, you know, we, a lot of my horses, as you, you will know yourself, being a Gulfstream all the time, they, are, they generally improve and improve for their first run. I tend not to push them too hard at home before they run, um, you know, get them there reasonably ready and, and let them improve from there themselves. So, you know, I did think he was pretty nice. He had put in some really not like fast works. Um, but, you know, the last thing anybody expects is for a horse to go out first time out and win like he did um, in any company. And, and, you know, he just, he just, the further he went to, the easier he seemed to find it. And, uh, but, you know, was I surprised by the fashion he did it? Yes, but I'm not surprised to see he's turned out to be a nice, uh, a nice prospect. And I think he's got a lot of improvements still in him. He ran his second race at a mile where he also got the victory. Now going to do the two turns for the first time. What are your thoughts on the added distance that he'll tackle this weekend? You know, I think we'll see tomorrow. Acacia, mm -hmm. it, I've I've got no reason not to believe that he can go two turns. He's he's you know he he's got a high cruising speed. Um, he's a very he's a very easy horse mentally in that you know he's not he's a horse you can take back a little bit if you need to take him back. He's not going to go herring off on the lead just because he's coming from a one turn to to going two turns. Um, you know, and saying that he is fast, so I, I think we'll we'll find him, you know, uh, close enough to the lead and, and you know, forward anyway. Um, but like I said, I, I don't have any reason to believe that he can't go two turns, and I think we've just got to see tomorrow and, and see if he can answer that uh, that question for sure or not. One of the things I've noticed about him that I really like is that he's he's all business and and I can see he said he's he's easy mentally until he gets out on the track he's got kind of this intensity about him out on track like he really knows it's game time it's fun watching him run um, he he really seems to throw himself all into it what's it like watching a, a horse that you've prepared do things so easily on the track like he's done. Um, it's it's fantastic it's funny you should say that because. Yeah. You know he's very he's a very quiet horse in the barn. He he's he's um you know he kind of just does his thing in the stall. He's very quiet. Nothing really upsets him. I saw what I loved about him the last day when he ran the second time, when Tyler took him off the pony, he put his head down and he started giving little bucks. Yeah. You know, just kind of like he he was really comfortable out there, and he he you know like you say he he. Uh, when it's game time, it's game time with him. And, and I think he's a horse that just loves, he loves to train, loves to work. Obviously, he's really loved his racing. And I think it's nice introduction when you can bring a horse out to the races like he's done the two times we've run him. And, and you know, it's been, a, it's been a really nice experience for him. And I think that's going to stand to him. He's enjoyed it. 
And I think that's going to stand to him as he gets into deeper company. He's owned and bred by Godolphin, who you've had a long relationship with. You mentioned even working for Godolphin before you became a trainer. Tell me a little about that relationship and how it's grown over the past few years. Yeah, I mean, you know, same thing, like like I mentioned earlier, coming from Europe, Mm -hmm. you know, Godolphin, when I was growing up, it was always just a massive entity. I mean, you know, the the class of horse that they've had and, and, you know, they have, you know, uh, Sheikh Mohammed's and his his two brothers have had you know big farms in Ireland and so you watch this growing up and and you know it's just it's just a huge uh, operation. I remember the first time I walked into Al Quaz in Dubai, which is the was the yard where they had all their horses at the time, and they had barn A and barn B, and I mean it was like a who's who of of horses. It was overwhelming actually occasion. Mm-hmm. I remember like you just knew you you recognized every name of every horse going down there. So you you know, all that it's like watching your favorite football team as a kid and, and getting to play for them as as you get older. It's it's uh you know, it's it's something you never you know, you dream about it, but you in the back of your mind you you wonder if it'll ever happen. And I'm just grateful that it's worked out and, and grateful for the opportunity that these people have given me. I mean, they've been a big influence on my career from literally from the start and, and to, to have the privilege to train for them now and train some very good horses for them is just a, a dream come true. You also had Maxfield uh, coming out of a third place finish in the Santa Anita handicap. I know he hasn't, he hasn't been the easiest source uh, to train and to bring along. We've showed so much patience with him. What's the update on Maxfield? Where do you think we might be able to see him again as he obviously has so much talent? Well, he's back, um, Acacia. He he got back from Santa Anita and came back in great shape. We sent him to Florida for a couple of weeks. He got up to Kentucky this week. Um, I did do a little work with him last Sunday before he left. Um, you know, so he's back on the go. We'll work him another time or two, and um, and come up with a plan from there. But you know the. Obviously, the, the, the two-turn races as we mm-hmm. as we move forward through the early summer uh, and into the summer, you know, everything is an option, but I think we'll, we'll give it another work or two before we come up with a solid plan. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, he's doing super. I think he's going to really benefit from from what he did in California. Um, you know, I think, I think it'll make a man of the horse to have, you know, traveled out there run on a, a track that was a little different to what he'd been used to. He gave weight all around. You know, I thought he ran well and I thought it was a good experience for the horse. He, you know, he, he was, he was in at the deep end um, a little bit and he, you know, he, he was game. And, and I think it might be the, the turning point of the horse's career. What are some of the things that you look for in, in developing a horse? What are maybe some of the physical, mental things that you like to see bringing a horse along from the time they come into your barn, whether it's a, a horse that Godolphin has bred or it's a horse that's been purchased at a sale or one that you've claimed? How do you take cues from that horse in moving forward and, and placing them in a particular race? Well, I think you've got to you've got to try and, and help them, you know, the things that that they don't do well, mm-hmm. you've got to try and help them develop and 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 help them to do well at it. The the good ones, I'm sure, 
you know, the majority of trainers will tell you that the good ones, they'll, they'll shine eventually. Um, you know, they, they tend to, to have a way that got, they generally got good minds and, um, you know, they've got the talent. But I think, you know, overall, Acacia, I think they have to have the talent um, initially. You know, it's, it's like, you know, any, any athlete, you know, I think the natural talent has to be there. And, and then I think it's the trainer's job to nurture it. And, and it's the same, even the ones that are not as, as talented, you know, we always try to, uh, to bring out the best in every horse. And I think that's, that's what you've got to do is even the, the ones that are not as talented, you know, give them every chance mentally and physically to grow up and, and that you get the best out of them. And that, at the end of the day, you can walk away and you can say, well, I, you know, I, I gave the horse every chance, whether they, they did well or, or didn't do so well. Um, you know, that's what we always try to do. And I know before you went out on your own, you worked for trainer Eddie Keneally here in the U.S. And I know credit him with a lot of the things uh, that you learned in, in being his assistant. What were some of those things that you took with you into your own operation? Um same same thing um Acacia. Eddie was very you know he he treated every horse as an individual um you know so whatever they needed they got um you know and and, and I think that's why he's had such a successful and such a a long um a, a Lenten successful career you know he was a great horseman like I said, everybody was treated as an individual. And the other thing I learned from Eddie was organization. Everything was always very well organized. And I think as you, as you uh, develop yourself and, and your stable gets bigger, I think you have to be, the key is organization, um, which, which was another great uh, thing that we learned from Eddie. Tell me a little bit about bringing in some new owners or, or potentially dealing with clients and things like that, because you do have a lot of big horses that you've had that have been owned and bred, whether it's uh, by Godolphin or particular individuals that you've had. Um, what are some of the things that you look for, maybe bringing certain horses to your operation versus another and, and getting those kinds of big owners to trust you with their horses? Well, I think, you know, like, like I said, again, I think, you know, you try to give every horse opportunity. I mean, mm -hmm. we've, you know, we've tried to do that down through the years and, and try and do the best you have with what you have. And, and I think as, as you go along, you know, and you get the results, I think, you know, then the, the, the owners, they'll, it doesn't go unnoticed. And I think if you let the horses do the talking and, and let them, um, you know, people see stuff, especially, you know, and, and I've gotten very lucky too. You know, you, you see some great horsemen um, that have trained and, 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 you know, things don't work out for them. You know, I think you need a little luck along the way too, Acacia. You know, mm -hmm. people tell you, well, you know, you make your own luck. But I, I don't think so. I think, I think you, you've got to be lucky and things have to fall into place. You know, we've had some bad luck as well. But, you, you know, you got to just try and be consistent and, and, and do the best you can with what you have. And, you know, things like the horses winning in Dubai, um, you know, that, that's a big thing. You know, people in Europe see, oh, you know, um, you know, they see this happening in the States and they're wanting to send a filly out to the States or what have you. And somebody mentions Brendan Walsh and, and they see, oh, well, he's had a couple of winners in Dubai. Yeah, I do know, mm -hmm. you know, it puts a, it puts a face to a name and, and I think that attracts a lot of, uh, 
a lot of new owners and that, you know. But um, like I said, I think if you try to do the very best with what you have, people will, will come to you eventually anyway. And did you always plan on training in America? Was that always the goal to come here? Probably, um, you know, Acacia, it, in Europe, it's, it's tough to get going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the prize money is not very good, even though mm-hmm. it's a lot better now, it seems, in France and Ireland than it is in, in England. But it's, it's just very tough. It's, it's not like here. You know, here, if you have a half dozen horses, which I kind of started with, you go to a track, you, they kindly give you the stalls that you need, you know, and you, you've got your equipment and, and you can start. In Europe, you know, you either have to go to a big training center like Newmarket or the Curra or Shanti. You've got to rent a barn. You've got to get stalls. You've got to get horses. The original outlay is huge. And, and you know, it, it's hard for somebody like me that came from no background in horses mm-hmm. to get going. And then, of course, I always had a, you know, I always liked American racing. I watched it on TV and it, it had a draw to me. Um, you know, so, you know, I, I managed to find my way over here and the opportunities arose. And, and when I had some horses to go out on my own, I was able to, uh, to take the opportunity and, and have a go, which I might never have gotten to do in, uh, in Europe. So that was the main thing there. And thankfully it's, it's worked out, you know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, there's always a little, a little dream of, of going back there someday maybe and, and having some horses back in in Europe, which would be, would be really nice. I mean, it's fantastic race. And then I still, I still pay a lot of attention to it. And, and I, you know, all my family are still in Ireland. So I've still got a, a huge connection with, with Ireland and with, with European racing. A lot of our clients are, are, are European and that. So, um, but here, I think for sure, just more, more opportunity for me. And, you know, I, I have to, uh, you know, I have to be grateful for that and, and being able to uh, to come here and do do what we've done. It's been great. And what are some of the things that you still hope to accomplish here in, in U.S. racing? I mean, have you, with prevalence, have you allowed yourself to kind of think and dream a little bit about the first Saturday in May? This game turns you into an awful peasant. <laughs> <laughs> I don't look beyond Saturday. Um, no, listen... You, you've always got that dream, you know, you'd always like to win every, you know, it's, it's funny because when you come here, you from Europe, you, you look at the European races and Breeders' Cup, of course, is, is what you'd love to win when you come from Europe. But the longer you're here and the more you're around the Derby, you'd love to, you'd love to win a Derby. I think there, there'd be, if you asked any trainer in this country, they'd be lying to you if they, if they told you different, <laughs> uh, but you know, Hopefully it'll come someday, you know, uh, maybe with prevalence, maybe with somebody else down the line. But I'm just thankful that, you know, we ran plus Q in, in the race when he came back from Dubai. And it was just a fantastic um, experience. And of course, it helps you for, for horses, you know, when a prevalence comes along or a Maxfield comes along, you know, it, it helps you down the line to, to be a part of these big races and to prepare these horses for it. So. Um, you know, we, that's what we want to do is win these, you know, try to win these big, big races, you know, breeders' cups and derbies and, and graded stakes. And, and, you know, thankfully, we're, we're gradually 
getting the horses as we go along that are getting a little more capable of mm-hmm. of doing you know with with clients like a dolphin and qatar and um uh, some of these other people you know it always you, you've always got a chance of getting a really good good horse with these especially these owner breeders you know you can never write them off especially as they mature um you've always got a chance of getting a good one Absolutely. And of course, a good horse can come from anywhere. We've seen that time and get time and time again. And look at extravagant kid as an example. But I'm sure, you know, are, are there things, maybe a certain pedigree or a certain type of physical that a horse, maybe from Godolphin or Qatar racing shows up in your barn that makes you really excited? Is there is there something that kind of pe- piques your interest, perks your ears up a little bit to get you thinking about the future a bit? Well, I, I think you do. I mean, mo- most of the Godolphin horses have got, mm-hmm. you know, really nice pedigrees. You love to see horses come in that are that are by good stallions, you know, that that from from good families, absolutely. Because you know, with them, you've always got a chance to you you've got a more likely chance. I mean, extravagant kid is is the opposite, really. You know, he he his pedigree would not have been as strong as as a lot of the Godolphin horses. Like you say, and it's a good point, I mean, a good horse can come from anywhere, um, you know, but but with them, yeah, I mean, you have a, when I remember when Maxfield came, he was just a big striking horse um, and, and with a serious pedigree. And you look at him and you're like, wow, you know, I mean, we loved him from day one. Yeah. Um, you know, you love to see these, you know, the likes of prevalence, these Medagliadoros coming in. You love to see these horses from Europe coming in by good stallions. Um, you know, so there's always, it's always good to get these type of, of horses in because there's, there's always a chance. You know? Is there a, a certain maybe favorite stallion that you've had or one that you really feel like you've had a lot of success with or that you, you would love to get a chance to train some more of? Um, I don't have a particular one. I mean, I, you know, there's certain horses you love their their temperaments, um, and and they're really nice horses to train. And I can even say that for some horses stallions that are a little down the line, Acacia. Some of them are are really, you know, like Lemon Drop Kid was always a favorite of mine. I always thought they were, you know, they might not. Some of them. I mean, he's a fantastic stallion, but some of them that weren't quite as good as the real good ones, if you like to say, Right. you know, they were always hard trying horses and I love horses like that. I love horses that try hard. And, and I think that's a quality of, a, of certain stallions that you get a lot. They're honest. They try hard. They might not be kittens. Joy is, a, is another horse. Every one of them seems to, uh, to be a hard trier. They might not be, you know, I mean, like lemon drop kid, fantastic stallions, but even the lesser ones, they're a pleasure to train. Well, I love hearing that too. I'm a big fan of Lemon Drop Kid and any chance I get to see them um, on the racetrack. I know he's getting up there in age now too, but uh, Medallia Doro is the sire of prevalence. who will be racing tomorrow in the Wood Memorial. We're recording this on Friday. Wish you all the best with him, Brendan, and, and down the line. And I really appreciate you taking the time today. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on. And that wraps up another episode of In the Ring with Acacia Courtney. Huge thank you to Ned Toffee and Brendan Walsh. Enjoyed really a lot uh, getting a chance to speak with both of them. And I feel like we, 
actually just kind of scratch the surface with both guests today as well. Um, but looking forward to seeing prevalence this weekend in the Wood Memorial, Wood Memorial, Santa Anita Derby, and the Bluegrass. Um, I'm looking forward to talking about all of this on America's Day at the Races, leading up to it, and who's going to get in the Kentucky Derby starting gate, as that is the biggest question. Only 20 able to get in the gate. Um, and it's an exciting time of year for sure. Hope that you enjoyed today's show. I thought it was kind of a little bit of a different angle as well, really talking about the breeding side of things and the stallion incentives with Ned Toffee and just a tremendous operation like Spendthrift Farm. So as always, if you have any recommendations, please send them my way. Please share this on social media with people that you think may find it interesting as we continue to talk about the world of sales, breeding, pedigree, and how it all kind of ties in together in this industry of horse racing. Again, want to give a quick reminder from our friends at Lone Star Park. Nominations are open for Lone Star Lone Star Million Day card. Memorial Day, Monday, May 31st. That's five stakes totaling $1.1 million. The grade three Sexton Mile purse is increasing from 300 to 400,000. Lone Star Million Day and the Ouija board distaff return after a 10 year hiatus. There's also three new stakes, Texas Derby, Chamberlain Bridge, and the Memorial Day Sprint. They're all free to nominate. Nominations close Saturday, May 22nd. So check out all of that from our friends over at Lone Star Park. And again, please share this podcast. We'll have another episode coming up next week before our final week of Kentucky Derby prep races, the OBS March, OBS April, I should say, two-year-old sale coming up in just a couple of weeks as well. So a lot more to discuss on In the Ring. And for now, we'll see you next week.